Welcome to the first episode of the exit interview for Ontario clinicians. I became a nurse just three years ago, and the majority of my career has been spent in pandemic mode. In those three years, I've seen a lot of nurses leave. Early retirements, moving into community health roles, getting out of nursing entirely. In my previous field, if you left a workplace, it was pretty standard to receive an exit interview. But for all the nurses I've known who left, none of them got one. So here's your chance. If you'd like to give an exit interview, reach out and stay tuned for our very first exit interview today. I'm Beth and yeah, that's my baby in the background because this is real life. This is Sam. I've been a nurse uh, since 2011. Most of my experiences are in oncology, but I did the last few years of my career were in the community, working at uh, an abortion clinic and then working at a safe injection site. But yeah, a lot, a lot of my, like, I guess, expertise, I suppose, would be oncology nursing and getting to know the community. Most recently, Sam's been working in oncology again, but she's moving back into a community health role and is going to try to tell us why. Working in oncology, bedside oncology, I, I, I've done everything from full-time to part-time and trying to balance a few jobs at once with all the shift work. And the hours are a lot. The hours are a lot is what Sam says about why she is not going back into the hospital. We'll find out what that means as Sam tells us more about her job. But first, I wanted to know what Sam loved about her work. And what did you like about working in that? That was inpatient oncology, right? Oh, it's so, it's so funny. Like there's a lot of amazing aspects about the work. You, you know, you, you get to meet so many different people, work with so many different people, like care for so many different people. And there are a lot of incredible moments you have in this sort of high intensity work. I take away like, just like moments that you, you it's hard, almost hard to describe interactions you have with people like because it's like a lot of the work I did was because it was inpatient it was a lot of people like a lot of oncology care is outpatient but you know if, if you've had the diagnosis for quite a while and it keeps coming back and stuff often there's a lot of complications you end up kind of on the unit I was working on and so you do see a lot of people towards the end of their lives and in that there's despite it being very sad, there can be a lot of beautiful moments that you are a part of and that you witness, even though they're really tough. I guess that's a really huge aspect of it that I will always kind of carry with me and always will have enjoyed about bedside nursing in that specific area. Yeah. If I, yeah, if I had to look at like what was really positive about it, like you just get to share a part of somebody's life journey is a privilege to be a part of that, even if it is the, the end of the life, I suppose. I can see how like emotional that is for you. Can you give a specific example of something you were a part of that you remember? 
yeah, there's a lot of, it can be a little thing. Cause I know sometimes it's the mundane, even just like the joy someone has, like say they're, you know, they're at this point, the cancer is taken like a lot from them, like their mobility. Um, and you're having to do a lot of the personal care. You're having to do these showers and everything. Getting to chat with somebody and all throughout that whole shower process, because it is a process. You you got to set up the shower room. You got to get your client to the shower room, and you know there's a lot of chit chat in between there, and you, and you really get to learn a lot about that person. Like people would often talk about grandchildren. Uh, or children, um, or, you know, their partners, how they met their partners and, and, and then just them after the shower, just feeling so good about like, just feeling so refreshed because there's nothing like just, you know, that right after you've had a shower, right. When you feel like the most clean, like there's nothing, like, I feel like everybody can relate to that. Right. And, and when you lose the ability to be able to do it on your own, I, I have no idea what it's like really, but like to, from what I can understand, it, it really must be tough to be just waiting for somebody's help, especially in the hospital where nurses are very busy. And there's a lot of, for whatever reason, I always enjoyed helping people with, with the personal care and everything. And I loved that. It just made them feel so great at the end. And yeah, there's like a few people that come into my head. I've done it so many times now it's almost hard to pinpoint you'd have all these images in your head and faces you don't you almost don't remember their names which is hard but there's just so many people right and there was a lot of joy with that which was really nice yeah I totally get that because one of my favorite moments as an L&D nurse is actually not the birth it's not the baby it's the getting the person out of bed at the end, like out of the dirty sheets, into the bathroom, helping them pee, fresh underwear, fresh pads. Oh yeah. yeah. Rinsing them off and like a clean gown. It's like the most mundane thing, but it makes, I think someone feel so much more human. You just get to learn so much about people, which is so nice because it is a human job, right? Like you're it's so much more than a job in a sense. It's supposed to just be a job, but it's not like you're, you're interacting with other humans on such a, such a level, right? Like, it, I don't know. And so I like that, you know, you have that little bit of time with somebody, a little bit of extra time anyway, because it always takes a little bit of time. So, oh, yeah, it does. So why did you leave? <laughs> it just, it's, it's. I was probably going into that. It we just don't have a system that supports what people really need when they need that much care. And we're supposed to be able to the amount we're supposed to be able to do for each person in a day, like each client that you're assigned to, it's it's just not sustainable, really. Like you can go the whole day without having a break and having water going in the bathroom and you still wouldn't have been able to get close to the amount really that you were supposed to do for that person. And that, and that's why, you know, it just, it's just mind boggling to me, like the way the system's been set up, it doesn't allow for 
like a healthy work environment, I guess. Maybe, maybe there's a lot of environments that are not good work environments, but I, I do have all these really great moments through the years, but at the same time, I just, I think about all the stress that I went through and, you know, there were, there were many shifts that I would go into and you wouldn't sit down and eat till 4 PM, maybe like, it's just, you know, and, and part of that, like, you know, your manager or somebody would say to you, well, you know, you got to prioritize, you just got to make the time. <laughs> it's just, it's so much easier said than done when you're dealing with really sick people. I still remember one, one, sh- I got the bedside report in the morning and I just looked at the person's like, this person is dying right now, actively dying and they're full code. And I don't think I left the unit to go to the bathroom until six o'clock at night. It was escalated care. So I was like the ICU team were in and out and everything and assessing them to see if they're going to take them to the ICU. You know, they're actively dying patient and they weren't quite, the ICU route wouldn't have been what that person needed. They needed to be palliative, but that the family and they, they weren't agreeing to that yet. So there was a lot of other interventions that they were trying to do. And just, you just, you don't have time to go to the bathroom. So you were just doing the care for that person the whole time. And, and I, you know, that was one day, but there were many days like that. And did you have other patients that day or was that a single assignment where you one-on-one? No, no. I had other patients, but goes without like your team pick picks up the slack for you. Like, and, you know, I still remember going into like other patients' rooms by the end of the day and being like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't in here all day, but you know, I know they got their meds. I know they got their meals and stuff. And it's lucky that they didn't need as much care, but but yeah, no, I, I have, I've had it before where I've had two crashing patients. Right. And like, you can't, how do you be in both rooms? Right. Like you can't. And the group of people I've worked with through the years, you know, you come on and it's usually like, sometimes it's the same team that you're kind of used to working with, but often with shift work, it's a lot of different people, right. Just depending on the day, like a lot of part-time workers, casual workers. So usually there's, you always people kind of come together and you're, you're pretty good at like supporting each other and stuff, but even still, because they're doing extra work for you, then they're not getting their breaks also. Right. So it's sort of like collectively, everybody is also experiencing what you're experiencing. The stress of that on your body is a lot and it's a lot to take with you. And these experiences are a lot to take with you as well. You always take well, maybe you don't always, maybe not everybody, but for me, it's always been hard to let go of the very intense day-to-day nursing stuff. Like somebody, like a code blue, right? Like, I mean, they're not a regular, but when they do happen, it's hugely impactful in your life, especially for the next little while. Like the structure of a hospital, I think makes it a really difficult job that's sustainable for most people. Can I ask you, you mentioned as an example, a code blue and how difficult it was in the time after. And you're also mentioning sort of the structural supports in the hospital. Can you tell me a little more about what supports were available to you? Say something like that happened. 
Well, there's no like, I mean, sometimes they debrief, but I, our system doesn't support nurses. Say you were really upset by that code, right? Say you didn't want to go to work the next day and you were supposed to, you, you could call in sick, say you were sick or whatever, but there's no, no one's really checking in. And the debriefs sometimes would happen, but often wouldn't. But there really isn't a lot. I, I don't find, from my experience, I don't find that there's actual support. Like there's nobody who checks in on you every once in a while, really. Or there's not a, a program for a, a group program that would be offered, like for people who are struggling with all the loss and, and distress. And at my hospital, I know for casual and part-time staff, our benefits don't cover, we don't get benefits. So I don't oh, know yeah. if it's different where you were, where you might have like a little bit of money in your benefits for counseling. Yeah, no, my experience with benefits when uh, they're, yeah, part-time casual, there never is. And we can pay into program. But when I was full-time, I remember I wanted to access counseling, uh, like psychotherapy, and all they would cover was $20 a session. And the sessions were anywhere from like $150 to $200. Yeah, it was really bad. EMS workers and firefighters and cops, I think, can have paid for psychotherapy. But I don't, unless it's changed since I've been on my, my leave, I don't think that still doesn't apply to nurses as far as I'm concerned. What Sam's referring to here is that in February of 2021, the Ontario government established four mental health collaborative tables to better support the mental health and well-being of policing, fire, corrections, and paramedic services personnel. Yeah, no, there's no, like, for the, the high intensity of the work involved, there's no, like, let's help people process this. That's never been a thing. So, like, yeah. and I started working as a nurse. Um, so yeah, you're just supposed to cope with that on your own, right? Just, you know, I just figure it out in order to deal with all the sort of aftermath. It is hard. Yeah. It is, I, and I, I know not, this isn't everyone's story, right? Like not maybe more people are more equipped to just be like, just move on, like go home and let it all go. But I've always found it very challenging because you really start to care about some of the people you lose, even though, you know, they're not family they're not you know but they're people that you want to help that you want to help heal being a nurse like to care for them and and then when when you see some of the codes like they are very they can be difficult to process so I remember you telling me about one and you don't have to answer this, but I remember you had a patient who died by suicide, which is different, right? Every death is hard, but it's, it's different than a palliative patient who dies or even someone who is an active code who dies. Were you offered any particular supports in that case? No, no, um, no, not really. No. Not like, not what you think should be offered to anyone who would have been working that day. No. Yeah, there was nothing. Like, I mean, I guess when I envisioned something like that happening, I, 
I would think on a higher up level, they'd be like, okay, this is a really intense thing that happened to these workers. Like we need to devise some sort of program or some sort of offer some sort of supports, like officially offer supports to people. And that was never offered. I'm sure there was a debrief, but I just wasn't, that would not have, uh, that wouldn't have been enough in that case. And like, yeah, like a few of the codes in general through the years, when you're, some of the scenarios would have been when we were very, very short staffed Mm -hmm. and almost things that maybe if we'd been able to act faster or be more present, more would have been picked up on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been some really difficult scenarios through the years and there was never ever enough support offered. Well, we know that, right? There's research that says every patient that gets added on to a nurse's caseload or care load um, increases the other patient's risk of death. Yeah, I believe the day that the patient um, took their life, my unit, I don't know if we were short staffed, but it was a very, like there were a lot of sick people and I don't think I took a break till I was, it was much later in the day. Like, I think I was sitting down to have my lunch and it was 6.30 and like your shift ends at 7.30 and then it happened, it was discovered after that, right? So then, then you just, you know, everyone was there till very late that night. Yeah, just, I don't know. We were, it wasn't, the unit wasn't even set up so that we could provide enough observation. Like you think about things like that, I suppose, right? Like what if the layout and the staffing and, you know, maybe there would have been, you know, maybe if someone actually had been able to, I don't know. There's a lot of what ifs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately I just don't believe our hospital system structure across the board is, is set up for proper patient safety. It doesn't set up nurses to be able to really do all the care they need to be able to do. And then you the cycle, right? So mm-hmm. cycle and, you know, we end up having to take on so much blame when you really need to sit back and think about we're being thrown into this system that's never even like a safe and work environment to begin with really I don't know yeah it sounds it sounds like there were really unrealistic expectations on your job performance like what you were supposed to be doing in a day a hundred percent that's exactly it it's unrealistic job expectations (laughs) there's always a new thing that they want you to do there's a new policy there's something else you have to do like another box to check off that you have to do for your day and and you know it you you'll never be able to keep up to the amount of work and if you if you are like and maybe some people can and so I it just it's just for me it was very unrealistic and not sustainable mm-hmm. yeah what would you do at the end of the day when you got home from a day like that oh I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like it depends. Like if it was a really bad day, most of the time you just want to go home and lie down. I don't, when I was younger and lived on my own, I would, if it was a really bad shift, 
pick up something to eat on the way home or something and just be in bed eating, watching a show, you know, like just trying to unwind any way I could, could. Sometimes you couldn't even get to the watching the show part. Like it was just, you're trying to deescalate in the sense, like just sort of process everything that happened in your day, but you're just so tired and exhausted and overwhelmed that you can't even it's, it's hard to get to that point where you're even relaxing or just letting it go. And if you're lucky, you didn't have to go back the next day and then you could just sleep in and just try to have a slow day the next day. But I always found with the shift work, say you did your few shifts in a row, like your first day off, you were just totally unable to, you needed that whole day to recover. You're foggy and just cause it's just like a long day on your feet running around and you know, I, I'm, I'm coming off like there were a lot of like always bad days. There were some good days, but but um, and then you go sometimes you would have a good shift. You get out on time and you'd be able to go meet friends for dinner, like something fun. But um, often that wasn't really the case. You didn't yeah. really feel doing much. You felt gross. You just wanted to go home and shower. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any suggestions for how? the hospital could be better set up for nurses to improve the working conditions yes bodies like less workload yeah I don't I don't know like that ultimately is one of the hugest factors because like you'd really be able to focus on your care and you'd be able to focus on yourself taking care of yourself during your work day like I mean I'm a huge advocate you spend so much time working you should everybody every single person should be able to go to work have breaks have time to chat you know like your colleagues and also do a good job because yeah physical bodies like more nurses would be amazing but yeah like I I don't I don't know how like that would ever be convinced because from like an outsider's viewpoint from the upper management CEO or from the government's viewpoint, nurses cost the most money. So if they're going to make cuts, it's going to be at that frontline work level, which just seems like insane to me. If the people you, you want to be caring for the sick people are the ones that you would cut just because we cost the most money, but like, don't we deserve the money? Cause we're doing the hard work. Shouldn't that be where the money's going? Do you feel like you got paid enough when you were in those jobs? It, I mean, it's good pay. Like they always, you know, nursing, if you're in the union, it's not really enough in a sense. You work very hard for your money and you work very long hours for your money, right? Um, yeah. It's not, uh, you know, other professions, not that they don't work hard, but may make the same or more and they don't have that same long day that you have. They don't have the physical and mental health repercussions. You get, you know, I've had sciatica flare-ups. I've had, you know, back pain and like it's good money, but there's a lot of things that you kind of sacrifice in order to make that money and stuff. Try to think of other, other things other than just at a nursing level. I, I just really, the profession needs to be validated by humanity or I don't know by society people have to start recognizing I think it's because it's a 
I don't know if feminized roles, what to call it anymore, but it's like historically very female dominated role. Right. And as we know, like women are not that important in society still sustain you. And you feel that, I don't know, like even like picture like a doctor walking onto a unit and demanding help. Like I need this chart. I need help. And she kind of looks at say me now recognizes that I'm a nurse, but doesn't introduce herself. Doesn't care to like, she just demands the chart. I should know who she is. And, but then the pharmacist, someone in a lab coat comes by and then this doctor is introducing herself to the pharmacist. Cause I guess they feel that they're more on par with professional level, you know, cause mm-hmm. nurses, I feel like we're the lowest level in the hospital comes down to just how we're viewed, how we're viewed as humans doing this job. It's we're, we're not really almost viewed inhuman in the sense, like we're not even the doctor doesn't even need to tell us you know, who they are. We're not, there's a lot of mistreatment. So that would be something that really needs to, that whole vision of, or that whole way of treating a nurse. Because a lot of people do mistreat nurses in the hospital, right? And a lot of it's because you're seeing people at their, because family members are seeing, you know, their loved ones at this super vulnerable state. And and who do you take it out on? You take it out on that person <laughs> who's supposed to be caring for them and who doesn't have enough time to be able to care for them properly. And, and you get frustrated. So, you know, I, I do see the other side of why people get so upset, but it's just like, I can't, the idea of being this punching bag forever too was that that's somehow got to stop. That has to shift massively. I don't know how it's going to shift. I don't know how, even how to suggest it to be shifting. People have to come to the realization that they can't just mistreat the caregiver, you know, the, the nurse. But it all really just stems back to just all the structures and like a societal shift and the power dynamics, all of that, if that makes sense. Sam is talking about deeply rooted hierarchies around gendered labor that go well beyond the walls of the hospital. But within the healthcare system, feminized labor, the care work of nursing, goes unrecognized and undervalued until it's your own family member. I feel like when we, like we think about getting sick, think about how much, you know, say you're just at home and your partner's taking care of you. That one-on-one care, someone being able to bring you water and stuff. When you're in the hospital, it's even it's like such a next level. And then to have to bring a bell and wait to use the washroom. I get why people get upset. And I get why family members get upset when they come in and their bath wasn't done again. But the baths aren't a priority when there's other things to do. Chemo, maybe if someone becomes septic that's the priority not the bath but that you know family member wouldn't know that they don't know that the person next door is actively dying and that's why you can't do the bath and there's just so many layers to it and miscommunication and misunderstanding and there's only so much you can take though as one person (laughs) doing it for a long time and before you just don't want to do it anymore because you just 
you've just been, I, I guess, ultimately, you're just mistreated too many, one too many times, really. Mm-hmm. So would you recommend nursing as a profession? No, I know. You know, I picture being in nursing school and, and being so excited about it. And, and then I remember I was early 20 years old doing my placements and like, sometimes the nurses would be so mean, you know, you're like, why are they mean? And I really understand that nurse now they're just, you're just pushed to your edge where you just stop to either like you, like you have the drive to look for better opportunities. You go back to school, you, but not everybody can do that. Sometimes you have to stay at that job, working in the hospital, working on that unit. You haven't figured out, you haven't gotten to the point where you're brave enough to try to get out. Mm -hmm. You end up taking out on other people as well. It's a cycle. People are taking out on you for too long that you start taking it on other people and you take it on the nursing students, you take it out on the support partners, the, you know, our janitorial staff and stuff. And I think back to like how excited I was as a nursing student and, and then just feeling so let down when I was mistreated and, and then, you know, eventually being a nurse and then I, I get it now and I would never recommend it. Is there anything else you want to comment on in terms of how nursing could keep you nursing? Like you have so many years of experience. Is there anything in nursing that you're still excited about? Yeah. I mean, I think I was saying earlier, like those human moments that you have with people where you can help somebody even if it's anything from controlling someone's pain or if you're in the community, like it's connecting somebody to some sort of care that they needed and it worked out. There's enough really good moments to keep you in it in a sense, but just not at a hospital level. And, and that's why there are, there are a lot of other, you don't have to work at a hospital, right? I guess that's what everyone is figuring out. Or you just don't even have to stay a nurse. It's funny. And I, I know I, I always through the year, like my partner would say like, oh my God, hated that job. And then I think, oh gosh, it's because I just always told you the bad things. It's, it's almost hard to explain some, that there are a lot of really amazing moments that, that keep you in it. Be like, okay, this is why I do this. This is why I keep going in and doing my best to help people because it's that's why most people get into it I've never met anyone who was like I think I'm going to be a nurse to make a lot of money unless you (laughs) go get your PhD or something I don't know but like if you genuinely wanted to go and help people you can do that so it I guess it's hard to say oh would you recommend nursing to anyone well I don't know it is a complicated answer no, not in the way we run it in this system. And I don't think it's really any good anywhere across. It's not like Newfoundland has better healthcare than here. We're all kind of struggling all the different systems. But, um, but yeah, I, like I'm going to stick it out just because 
I do feel like I have helped some people and I want to continue to try to help other people as well. I honestly don't know how I could do anything else either because <laughs> I've been doing this for so long. Is there anything else you want to comment on in terms of your hospital working experience? Yeah, I just, I hope that, I hope that society wakes up. I hope the com communities wake up. Eventually, I hope it shifts. I hope people can, they need to make a conscious at every level, like governments need to start prioritizing. I, I don't know. I, I, I only know the hospital, like I only know the, the frontline worker part of it. Maybe they're stretched across all levels in the hospital and all the different departments, research, human resources. I don't, I don't know. All the different areas maybe are all stretched. Maybe it isn't just the front lines, but it really feels like it's just the front lines. And I just would like, I would like the government to start prioritizing the frontline workers across the board, not just, not just the nurses, but all the frontline workers, right? Yeah. I, I hope society shifts and starts to realize that one human person who can take care of your family member for that 12 hour day, it's gotta be, it's gotta be more than one person because the system we have right now, it's, you're not going into the hospital and you, you basically need somebody in there with you to do most of the other things that the nurse can't do. I think they need to start humanizing nurses. We need to be, and I, this whole idea of collaborative, um, you know, in, interdisciplinary team, that team, we all need to be treated as equals within that team as well. Yeah. So there's a few levels in that. If maybe that all shifts, maybe I would recommend it. <laughs> After I stopped recording, Sam mentioned that her unit did add one extra nurse a few years ago, but that it didn't really feel like it made a difference. Patients keep coming and they seem sicker and need more care. This echoes what I've heard from other nurses who've been around for a while. I didn't really follow my exit interview structure that I devised, but I think Sam made it pretty clear what she's looking for in a job. She wants to be respected. She wants to be valued. She wants work-life balance. She wants appropriate supports in place for nurses when they experience what is called vicarious trauma. To me, this all seems pretty reasonable and I hope she gets it. <laughs>